You're listening to the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we firmly believe that love is the answer and we are spreading it like wildfire. You're invited to come spend time with us in authentic connection, growth, reflection, and celebration. Life coach, author, and speaker, Abigail Gazda, will be sharing amazing humans living their hearts unleashed to inspire you to do the same. You will hear from men, women, and young people from all industries sharing their insights and inspiration as they have paved their way to their fullest lives. Here at the Hearts Unleashed podcast, we are turning dreamers into doers. So if you are ready to open your heart and take inspired action on your dreams, you are in the perfect place with wonderful people. Here's your host, dreamer, educator, and adventurer, Abigail Gazda. All right, you guys, you are listening to the Hearts Unleashed podcast where we are turning dreamers into doers. And today I have with me David T. Fagan. He is a columnist in Beverly Hills Times Magazine and the host of a California cable TV show, The Hollywood Entrepreneur. And he is a Hollywood entrepreneur himself. I cannot wait to share what he's up to and all the things he's doing. He is also the former CEO of Guerrilla Marketing, which has sold over 23 million books in 62 languages all over the world, as well as the former LCO communications at the Beverly Hills PR firm that has represented 58 Academy Award winners, 34 Grammy winners, and 43 New York Times bestsellers. So David really knows what it looks like to um, be in the industry of really living authentically and people celebrating their gifts and doing what they love to do and turning their passions into their profession. David is regularly sought out by the media on entrepreneur education, cracking the icon code, and he has recently been featured on Fox and Friends, the Today Show with Matt Lahr, and the Washington Post, as well as Forbes, Investors Business Daily, Your World with Neil Cavado. Did I say that right? I hope so. Neil Cavuto. <laughs> Neil Cavuto. Cavuto. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I have a thing or two to learn. <laughs> uh, Fox is the five, also what's happening now, and most recently won the award for Entrepreneur Educator of the Year from Infusionsoft, which is just incredible. And so he's also a best-selling author and international speaker in places as far away as Bangladesh and Australia. He has shared the stage with everyone from former Secretary of Defense, Dr. Bob Gates, to Mark Victor Hansen. David's company, Icon Builder Media, is based out of Southern California. And I actually met David in Phoenix, Arizona, where uh, I attended one of his events, Icon Builder Media, and was really, really inspired by exactly what he's up to in the world and the way that he helps people get their authentic message out there. Uh, I watched him, you know, from the speaking to really just helping people in a hot seat kind of situation. It was so wonderful to watch him support others in their brand clarity, their message clarity, and, and like how to get that out in the world. So David, thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming in and showing us what it looks like to unleash your heart. Yes, I like it. I like it. I mean, that's quite a bio. That's quite a track sure. record. And um, no small feat and also probably no short journey. So give us a little bit um, into your world about how this whole process has gone for you and how you've gotten where you are. Great question. You know, I've always been somebody who enjoys working with people. Um, this isn't going to sound very sexy, but it's really about communication. You know, um, everything's about, you know, what you say, how you say it, 
whether it's sales, speaking, presenting, being on camera, talking about your business, brand writing, uh, what some people call copywriting, ghostwriting. It's really that messaging and that messaging are, is your words and those words are really how you show up in life. So that's always, that's always fascinated me. That's always um, something that's been a passion of mine. I think that sales and marketing in general give people a chance to bring all those things together. And uh, if you're, you know, whoever's listening right now, you can have all kinds of passions. You can have all kinds of interests. You can have all kinds of things that you want to do in the world. But knowing how to pitch, knowing how to persuade, knowing how to enroll people is, is absolutely, you know, paramount. Um, either you've got to be able to sell, you know, you've got to be able to enroll or you've got to get somebody who's able to do that because without that, your organization's just not going to grow. And so, you know, that's kind of what I've made my life's work is helping people that have those ideas, have those passions, you know, have these big hearts that they want to go out and make a difference and showing them how to say things and position things and posture themselves and show up in the world so that they can really get their desired result. And, you know, you can look at um, a real estate agent, right? What, who makes the most money? The best real estate agent, the most knowledgeable real estate agent, right? Or the best marketed real estate agent? Best right. marketed, right? Same thing with the chiropractor. The, who, who makes the most money? The most knowledgeable, the most educated, the most experienced chiropractor, the one who has the most bedside manner and all these things or the best marketed chiropractor. It's the best market. It's the same thing with books, you know, which books sell the most, you know, the book that's just so carefully crafted and just hones into the English language. And it's just so perfectly worded according to the Oxford dictionary, or is it the best marketed book? Unfortunately, it's the best marketed in every single one of these scenarios. So I like to find people who you know have a passion for what they're doing, who they're helping, who they're serving, and make sure that they don't remain the world's best kept you know secret. And so, when you look at my career of publishing and publicity and presentations and being on camera, working with celebrities, the thread that you can draw throughout all those things is exactly that. You know what to say and how to say it. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it that like, thanks for carrying it into other professions as well, because there are people from all walks of life listening in. And I, I tend to lean towards like the coaches, speakers, writers industry, but not everybody's in that and spot on with the marketing, being able to really just like get your message out there in a way that it resonates with people that they're enrolled and actually, you know, signing up for whatever you're selling. So I think that's great because no matter what level you're playing, that's so, so important. And so what sort of lessons have you learned along your way that has really polished that skill for you? Well, there are certain types of accomplishments that people really respond to. And um, we want to go out and in a very on-purpose way, create these accomplishments so that we can leverage them. And these accomplishments are things like having testimonials having endorsements, winning awards, getting certificates, you know, being published, getting featured in the media, speaking on stages, you know, having our own shows, having our own media, like what you're doing right now, Abigail. These types of things get people's attention and we need to have attention getters. 
Um, if you want to become an icon in your industry, you want to become somewhat of a celebrity expert so that you can better serve the world and get your message out, you've got to have fans. How do you get fans? You got to give, serve, and share. Give, serve, and share. Write that down. That's the key to doing that. And having those accomplishments of testimonials and endorsements and all these types of things, that kind of helps you answer this question that everyone's going to ask you when they're meeting you, Abigail, when they're meeting, you know, you, you coaches out there and you trainers out there, they're asking a question either subconsciously, meaning they're just thinking in their head, or they're asking it very specifically, literally they're saying the words. It's just a two word question. Every time they meet you, this is the question. Why you? Why you and not somebody else? Why you and not something else? But why you? And your answer to that why you is because of those testimonials, because of those endorsements, because of those accomplishments, because of that book you wrote, that presentation you gave, that results you got for somebody in the past. That's why they're going to listen to you. And you need to be able to create that compelling argument, even when you want to get on the news and media. You know, mm-hmm. let's say you have a nonprofit. Let's say you're just out serving people. You just have a charity. They're going to mm-hmm. say, why should we put you on the Today Show and not somebody else on the Today Show? Mm-hmm. You know, let's say you write a book. Well, there's tons of books out there. Why should I read your book instead of somebody else's book? Mm-hmm. So just to kind of go through those thought processes and start to learn about how to talk about yourself and how to talk about your organization and how to be, have a certain amount of confidence in what you're doing those are important things that are going to make all the difference in the world. I love it. I love it. Love it. And I want to play devil's advocate on that. But first, like, it's so great because I want to even relate this to dating, right? Because again, mm-hmm. all walks of life, but people are subconsciously always asking, why you? Why you? Yeah, and you're absolutely. always answering that question. So I, yeah. wanted to, I want to play devil's advocate on that, and um, at least for myself, because I wrote the book, Giving Up, Giving Up, The Memoir of a Quitter. And one of those yeah. chapters is about the shiny thing syndrome, like yep. getting the award and the certificate and the um, achievement to feel good enough. So I want to like I want to just tease this out with you, the difference between like using that as leverage and using it to measure your worth, Mm -hmm. like on a personal level. So what do you have to say about Mm -hmm. that? Because it can get a little hairy when you're weighing in on that. Yeah. Well, uh, forgive me. I'm going to get a little touchy feely here for a second, which is, which is maybe what you want. Exactly. Like, let's go in. Let me get get a touch. So first of all, I just have to say this. You really have to learn to love others unconditionally. Mm -hmm. And you also need to learn to recognize the people who love you unconditionally, as well as the people who don't love you unconditionally. And, you know, I, I can picture someone in my mind right now where she grew up her whole life, where her parents just loved her more when she got good grades. And they just loved her more when she did what they thought was right. And they just loved her more when you know, she picked the husband that, that, you know, they thought that they would also like. And when that love was taken away, you know, she would quickly try to serve that person more, you know, or serve those people more. And her serving was a way of earning that love. And what I'm talking about today, this isn't a, a way to uh, get loved or be loved or anything like that. This is simply a business strategy where when you are trying to separate yourself from other people, you just need to recognize there are things in the world, in the business world, and in the, the world just all around us that, you know, are going to help you, you know, having a book, 
speaking in front of these large groups. That helps people understand, hey, there's, there's value. I should invest time with you and money with you and whatever. But in no way do I want you out thinking, hey, uh, David says uh, I'm only ever valued or I'm only ever loved uh, when I can do all these great things for you. No, that's, that's not what I'm saying. So I want to yeah. make sure we compartmentalize those two things. But you're absolutely right. You go in for a job interview, you're telling them why they should hire you versus somebody else. Here's my education. Here's what I did for my last employer. You know, here's some references. Those are testimonials and endorsements, right? Mm-hmm. You know, here's some results I got. Same thing when you're out dating. Absolutely. You know, you're showing up looking a certain way. You know, you want to put your best foot forward. You want to make your presence felt. And as you get to know them, the individual, you want to be your best you. And there's a great argument that the better you that you can become, the better other person that you're going to attract. It's the same way with your clients. The better you become as an organization with everything you can offer somebody, the better people are going to come into your organization and are going to want your help and your services and your products. So absolutely make you the best you you can be and make your services and products the best that they can be. But it's not a matter of doing it for um, love and friendship. It's more a matter of doing it for business growth and opportunities. I love it. Love it. Like great way to break that down and to go back to what you said. Cause I think that this naturally happens in most people's growth as a human, what you were saying about parents approval is mm-hmm. when we start to grow into ourselves and we don't actually like all the things our parents liked, or we don't date the person that like <laughs> fits the bill or whatever, then the loving conditionally versus unconditionally. And we start to see that cause we think it's unconditional until the conditions change. Yeah. And I, it's so important because uh, growing up at what, like that's, at least that's my story. That really resonates with me because yeah. I made that equation, like be good, do well, win in order to feel loved. And it worked while it worked and then it didn't work anymore. And it, as a 20 something year old, it left me incredibly confused about what love is and then what achievements mean. And so it was quite a, a space to navigate. And the more that I've authentically shared myself, I have seen how many people resonate with that. So really, thanks for drawing the line on what that means. And then carrying it over into like a job application. It doesn't mean you're not loved or lovable or worthy. It means you (laughs) haven't had the sufficient job experience to do to get that one job or whatever. So really, really great. What? uh, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to add something to that. You know, one of the things that people get really confused about on social media, somebody will post something and they'll say something in their post about somebody else judging them. And then, of course, everybody piles on with the comments of, oh, you know, don't care what anybody thinks. You know, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Well, that's not really entirely true. You know, you should care what other people think, but it should be what the right other people think. And Let me split this up once again. Uh Me as an individual, if I go on Facebook and I share something somewhat personal, maybe about kids or about my past or whatever, I don't really take it to heart if somebody judges me in some way. But if I go on to Facebook or I go on to LinkedIn, I'm sharing something I'm doing for a client or I'm split testing two different book covers or I'm creating some brands. 
I absolutely want feedback and I absolutely care what other people you know, think about. And the more you become a coach or a trainer, a leader, the more you become somewhat of a personal persona, you know, when you're in the advice business, meaning you make money off the advice you give, you're selling yourself more than you're selling anything else. So your ability to be likable, your ability to be trusting, your ability to come across as uh, maybe an expert, um, these are really important things. So maybe there's a few things online that you want to quote unquote, I don't care what anybody else thinks about me, that's fine. But for the most part, if this is the job you want, if you're out there to be influencing and changing the world and serving them, you're going to have to listen to what people say. And if a lot of people are giving you feedback of, you know, hey, I don't like your attitude about this, or I don't like your product of that, or I don't like your name of such and such, you know, these are things not to ignore. These are things to take into account and say, well, maybe there's a better way to reach my audience or to connect with my ideal client or to change the world by, you know, listening to some of this feedback I'm getting and maybe making some changes. Yes, I love it. And let's go down that path a bit about like your ideal client, your market, listen, like who, speaking to who you know you want to speak to and Mm -hmm. it resonating with them. Yeah, absolutely. I know what my ideal client looks like. I know what their age is. I know what kind of things they do for a living. Um, So if I'm getting feedback, if somebody's telling me things good or bad about my business that fit that demographic, I'm going to listen a lot more. Most of my clients are not in their early 20s. They're just not. You know, my clients typically are more experienced. Um, They're making a little bit more money. They really value their time. Um, They're not typically very good with technology. So they really value anything that me or my team can do in that. Someone that might be 20 to 25, they maybe have a little bit more time. They can be better at technology. They can learn things really easy with technology. Um, You know, they, they have more time maybe than they have money. So anyways, somebody in that demographic, if they gave me a bunch of feedback or had a bunch of strong opinions, I would still listen to it, but I wouldn't listen to it as much as somebody that's, that's really in my demographic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, same, same thing for you, you know, I mean, not you necessarily, Abigail, but, you know, yeah. anybody listening to this, you know, if you mostly coach, you know, women from 25 to 35 and there's some 50 year old man that just thinks you have a horrible business model, well, <laughs> that's not your demographic anyways. Yes. And vice versa. I mean, if you work mostly with CEO men and you've got a bunch of, you know, 30-year-old, 40-year-old women who are entrepreneurs who don't like what you're about, again, it doesn't matter as much. So you got to quantify where that advice is coming from. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's really just such great insight because, again, going from business to personal, it just fluctuates. I, I always blend that line. And so the fact that you're separating it, even for me over here, I'm loving like this whole conversation. But um, just being able to speak to who you want to speak to, knowing that if it's resonating with your crowd and the people in your realm, then you spot on, keep going, do you. And it just does really, especially in the social media world where it does blend because it's called social media. It's not called business marketing media. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so I think in our brain, we just throw it all in the same bucket and we measure our worth on those likes or those comments or how much interaction it's getting. And so really it does look into who's commenting who's liking and who has an opinion about what. So what sort of things have you had to give up 
in order to really grow in this area um, on a personal level? Well, I've had to give up some of uh, the stock that I used to put in my family and friends um, and people that have been around me in certain local group kind of situations. And what I mean by that is um, a hero has no honor in his own town. A prophet has no honor in his own country. We've heard these expressions before. They're very true. And what happens in psychology and so much of what we do is psychology, you know, the way the brain works, the mind works. Um, when people first meet you, um, whether they realize it or not, they're kind of a, assigning a number to you on the scale of one to 10, right? On how much they think you can help them. Like if you met Oprah, you couldn't help but to act a certain way around her because you probably look up to her. You probably admire her. You realize, you know, even the smallest endorsement from her could just, could just change your whole life. Where um, if you walk outside the grocery store and you see somebody, you know, asking for help or money or whatever, you might want to help them, but you're going to look at them differently, you know, most of the time. And, you know, I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying this is the way the human brain works. Well, the most important thing for you to realize is when people first meet you, they sign that number. Whatever that number is, is almost impossible, almost impossible to change that number. There have been points where I've been at my in my life where maybe I was a little down on my luck or, or I had something bad happen. I met somebody and somebody thought, oh, David's a five. The next day I could win the Nobel Priest Prize and it'd be like, well, maybe he's a 5.5. It's just really hard to change. Yeah. But as you go and meet new people in new places and get introduced as the success you are now versus the success you used to be, you can just get so much further, so much faster. So, you know, one of the things that I've had to let go of is we got to break out of these local incestuous groups where we've known each other forever and just accept that as you're growing, these people may just not see you this way. Yeah. And you need to go to new new places and new areas as the expert you are now, as the person who has clients now who maybe didn't have clients before, as the person who's speaking at events now who wasn't speaking before. And you kind of have to let go that um, your family and friends, uh, you'd think they're the ones that would be your greatest fans. And although you're great, they are maybe your greatest fans. They're not typically the people who are going to, I mean, I have a sister who wants to write a book. And she's wanted to write a book for a long time. And she'll tell my parents about it, right? My parents are like, well, you know, David, your brother, he, he owns a publishing company. And you know that, right? I mean, you know that he's written nine best-selling books and has literally been on national TV. Well, I know, but that's my brother. I just, you know, I, I want to take a college class. And I, wanna, I just want to feel like I know it more myself. And, you know, like my own sister doesn't even, really, you know, my neighbors. You know, I'll talk to my neighbors every so while and they'll be like, Hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm going to this such and such conference to learn about publicity and marketing. It's like their neighbor, me, literally was the former CEO of Gorilla Marketing. But your yeah. neighbor can never be that expert, right? Your brother can never be that expert. So they, get, they go <laughs> other places. Now, on the flip side, I get flown into New York City or Australia or whatever, and I got people just smothering me. I was in Australia a few years back, and at the end of every speaking engagement, I did a three-city tour three cities in three days. At the end of every night, they'd rush me out, put me in a car, take me to the airport, fly me to the next place. And these people would wait in line to talk to me. And then, you know, I wouldn't get through the whole line. Well, some of them got the idea, hey, I'll go wait at the car where David's going to go. So they're taking me out to the car. They're almost putting my head into the car like a police officer. Someone runs around, jumps in the car as we're driving away. I'm like, 
what are you doing? He's like, I just had to talk to you. I'm like, well, how are you going to get back? He's like, I don't know. I haven't thought that far ahead yet. <laughs> you know, but I mean, this guy wanted to talk to me so bad because of the perception of value of me showing up in that area as the success that I was then versus what I was now. My neighbors, they're standing 20 feet from me or they're walking to the mailbox. What, they don't say anything to me. Right? <laughs> my own sister who could call me anytime. So just kind of give up on the idea. I've seen people beat themselves up um, because they're sharing their idea with friends. They're sharing their idea with family. They're sharing their idea with people that they've known for five or 10 years. Those people, it's just psychologically, they're just not going to be able to give you what you need. And don't create your worth based on that because I've seen people give up on ideas just because, you know, the voices they're hearing are, are all mixed up. Yes, yes, yes. I, <laughs> that is great. <laughs> so much goodness in there because, um, uh, man, I don't even know where to start on what all that you said, but I, I'm still laughing about the guy jumping in your car. Cause like your neighbors aren't jumping in your car with you. No. <laughs> um, but no, I'll never forget. Um, I was still growing in my own and, and my aunt, God love her, but she goes, I see you writing all these brilliant things and I see how much interaction you're getting. And I just always see you as this 12 year old. And it's exactly what you said. I'm like, ew, yeah. no, come on. I'm a, I'm a grown ass woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and it's, I mean, it's just spot on though, because what you're talking about giving up though, like not putting so much stock in that. And how valuable that really can be for your personal growth. Um, another thing I think about, because I moved from the Midwest to the West, was like, I knew where I came from. Yeah. I knew my growth process. And so yeah. there were plenty of times where I would show up to a new space with professional credentials, feeling like the 12-year-old. Yeah. Feeling small, feeling like I hadn't made it yet. But And it's this big kept secret. Like I'm not, I'm still working on making it. And so what do you have to say to somebody? Cause you work with a lot of icons who are starting and you actually yeah. help them get that start. And so what about the realm of like building that confidence and being able to show up to a new place as the new professional that you are like, yeah. speak to that just a bit. Well, you want to find ways to get wins and we'll define wins in a second here, but you know, you want to find ways to get wins because wins give you momentum. You can have a couple things go wrong and it can feel like the whole world has just gone wrong. You can also have a couple things go right and it just feels like I'm unstoppable. Like I'm just on fire. So we really want to help people, you know, find those wins and the bigger the wins, the better, but they can even be small wins. You know, you wake up in the morning, you step on the scale. That can be a win or a loss. You're like, oh, I, feel good about, I feel good about that. I don't feel so good about that. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it can be as simple as that. Um, you know, having a good breakfast. Oh, I can feel good. I just, I had a good breakfast. You know, I did some reading in the morning. Hey, I just read something, you know, that, that could be a win. Hey, I just had a good phone call. Boy, that phone call went well. Well, what should you read so you can feel good about that? What should you eat so you can feel good about that? You know, what makes up a good phone call? When I get on a phone call, sometimes I'll say to people, hey, this is what success looks like to me. You know, we will have a successful phone call if we can accomplish this. Then I make sure we accomplish that. If I can get off that phone call, like, okay, that was, that was a success. So I, I'm, I'm starting out really small, as you, as you can tell. But bigger wins can be, you know, getting a new client, you know, getting somebody to make their next payment as a client. Um, getting somebody to do something that they said that they would do, follow through. 
But if we can start to not only get those wins, but look at those wins. Sometimes we kind of beat ourselves up a little bit of, oh, this didn't go this way or this didn't go this way. Okay, forget about that. Let's do the more of count our blessings, right? Let's do what is working. Well, you know, uh, I did this much riding the other day. That felt pretty good. You know, so-and-so wanted me to be on a, a radio show show that felt good you know I just made a new friend that's introducing me to so-and-so that felt good put together the wins think about the wins go for the wins focus on the wins stack them together because when you do that that's the momentum and there's a real power that comes with having a momentum and if your momentum starts to stall and you you got some losses start to slow it all down and start to think about, okay, I had some losses. How do I get some wins? You know, and and the more you focus on that, you can really build on those things. And I think it's important for new people to keep going and how you keep going is feeling good that you're getting somewhere. I love it. And you're spot on with that momentum and it can go in either direction. It can go in either direction. (laughs) Momentum builds. (laughs) That's the general rule of thumb. So I think it's great. And um, then you also shared about like, just stacking them together, moving forward, moving forward. And when people are looking to either build a brand, I mean, this really does go with like, it goes with dating, it goes with your health and well being. And so when after a few losses, what do you personally do to shift that? Like, if there's a few tough days, maybe it's a tough couple months, and you're mm-hmm. really in that, that space, like, what are some tips you have for people who like, they know they want to keep going and they're just having that hard time getting the giddy up going? Yeah. I always pick something that I feel is very attainable. I love people that come up with these BHAGs, these big, hairy, audacious goals. That, that's great. <laughs> I've never that's, heard that. <laughs> oh, really? Never heard that before? Oh yeah. That's, um, I love it. it'll come to me. I can't take credit. It's um, from good to great. I okay. believe that, that that's that book. But anyways, I love everybody thinking big and dreaming big, but really I, my advice to you, the person listening is to come up with something that would be meaningful, but still very possible and, and choose it for a time frame. Um, if I'm having a bad day, I have a hard time changing it in that day. That's a character flaw for me. But what I immediately start doing is, okay, I'm going to make tomorrow better. And sometimes by making tomorrow better, it me it starts with me going to bed earlier that night that I'm having a bad day. Like, let's just shut this day down. (laughs) Nine o'clock, I'm in bed. You know, but then really plan out that next day and really make it very on purpose. But, you know, pick two or three days of doing something you want to do. You know, pick a week of doing something that that you want to do. Sometimes, you know, um, I'll come out of a certain period where I just ate horrible, you know, for a couple of days or whatever, or off and on, I didn't eat as good as I wanted to. And it's like, okay, so for the next week, I'm going to do this. And so I start thinking about that now. And then I start that the next day. Maybe it's something to do with exercise. Maybe it's a project I got to do. But I'll pick something and I'll break it down into things that I know that I can do. Don't, the worst thing you can do is go out when you're kind of unsure and you're a little shaky and you don't have a lot of confidence and you're not doing very well. The last thing you want to do is go out then and decide, hey, I'm going to build Rome tomorrow. You know, okay, well, your Rome wasn't built in a day and you're really setting yourself up for failure. So find things that are meaningful, mm-hmm. but still very possible. 
meaningful mm. but possible and it could be eating it could be sleeping it could be exercising it could be you know if you're writing a book write one chapter you know the next day write one story you know the next day and then do it the next day and the next day because what you want is you want consistency if you can be consistently doing the right things it's just a matter of time it's mm -hmm. just a matter of time if you're never consistently doing the right things well it's hard to say if it's ever going to happen yeah. But if you really want to put the odds in your favor, be consistent. So find some meaningful yet possible goals and be consistent about doing them, you know, and test it out. Like, hey, I'm going to do it for five days. Do it for five days. Maybe take a day off. Okay, now I'm going to do it for 15 days or 30 days, you know, things mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Consistency came up. What was also coming up for me over here, listening to what you were sharing was like the intentionality. Yeah. Instead yeah. of being squirrely. So like, what do you say, especially when you are working with new people who this consistency and intentionality, maybe new concepts. What do you have to say about that? Well, um, it depends on where they're coming in from, but sometimes it's as simple as just helping them knowing where to direct their time at. So what I might do with somebody is I might say, okay, here's three questions to ask yourself. And they're like three circles that are all overlapping that Venn diagram. If you can picture that. But one question might be, or one question definitely is in the first exercise, you know, what do you love to do? You know, make a list of all the things you love to do. Next thing is, what are you really good at doing? You know, make a list of some of the things you think you're good at. If you don't know, you know, think of the compliments people have given you. You're still not sure? Ask people, hey, what do you think I'm good at? Right? And then the third thing is, what will people pay you money to do? Right? So what do you really love to do? What are you really good at doing and what will people pay you money to do where those all three overlap that is a great opportunity for you to have a lot of happiness in life you know making money doing what you love and what you're good at um you know i love to play basketball okay but i'm not very good <laughs> at basketball people will pay someone a lot of money to play basketball but i'm not good at so right there i can kind of scratch that off the list right yeah i have clients who are dentists where they're good dentists and they can make a lot of money being a dentist, but they don't love being a dentist. They want to get out of that. Same thing with attorneys. I have attorney clients where they're great attorneys and they make great money being attorneys, but they don't love it. Mm. So sometimes just doing some of these exercises to help people sort of realize, you know, maybe where their sweet spot is at, you know, um, that can help them become very intentional with how do I want to spend my time? You know, where do I want to apply my efforts? Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that can be a good starting point. Another good starting point is I ask people, you know, do you really have proof of concept in your coaching business or in your advice business? And by that, what I mean is, you know, there's three steps to proof of concept. One, do you have a product or service that you're selling? If not, you know, let's figure that out. Step two, do you have clients that are spending money for your product or service in a way that you are making more than you're spending? You're making a profit from selling this product or service. That's step two. And then the third one is people are so happy with your product or service that you're selling them that they're literally giving you testimonials. They're saying, hey, you're, they're referring you. you know? mm -hmm. If you have all three of those things, you have proof of concept. You know, what mm -hmm. you do works. Now it's just a matter of can we do it bigger? Can we do it better? You know, should you have an assistant? Do you need an office? Should you write a book? Should you speak at events? But bottom line is what you do works. Now, if what you do isn't working yet, well, then we need to work on those three steps. 
You know, mm-hmm. where are you missing? Is it the product or service? Is it the problem of selling your product or service? Or is it the problem of people being happy with your product or service? Right? Mm-hmm. We, need, mm-hmm. we need all three of those things. Some people have a product or service, but they're not selling it profitably. Some people have a product or service and they're selling it profitably, but people aren't really happy with them and they're kind of getting a bad reputation and they have to keep reinventing the wheel and finding new people because they're not getting any referrals. Uh-huh. So that's another great starting point. So there's kind of two exercises that you can do as a relatively new person in the industry of you know getting paid for your advice um, to kind of help you figure out, you know, how to get somewhere faster, further, or yeah. further, faster. Yeah. I really like the one you're talking about, um, mm-hmm. things I like doing, things people pay me to do, things I'm good at, because yeah. I think doing that, no matter whether it's getting paid for your advice, but there's so many people working in careers they're unfulfilled by, and really seeking to live a more passionate, fulfilled life from purpose-driven. And so I just, I think that's a great tip. And I, you know, invite all the listeners to definitely sit down, take that on, because putting things on paper just opens your eyes to... Yeah you keep it in all up in the chambers of the heart and the mind and it just goes nowhere and it, and you don't see yeah. anything new from it, but power yeah. paper. Well, and one of the interesting things that's happening right now, um, I'm 42, so I'm not a millennial, uh, <laughs> but a lot of people are talking about millennials and I've had a lot of interns and I've got kids. And one of the things that people are somewhat surprised with millennials or don't really understand with millennials is that they're not as motivated by money. You know, for the last 20 years, the people around me, you know, a lot of them went after the corner office. They went after the second home. They want to have the boat. They want to have the fancy vacation. Um, Where what we're seeing for the last five to 10 years, and, and increasingly so, is people are like, you know what, I'd rather just have a job where I can play on my softball team you know, and that's really fun for me. Or, hey, you know, I don't need to make that much money if I can, you know, travel a little bit more. Or, hey, I don't need to make as much money, but I need to work for an organization or do something that I really feel good about. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm making a difference and I'm serving someone and I'm helping somebody. Uh-huh. And more than ever, um, you know, that's really important to people. It's not really the money. It isn't necessarily the benefits. It isn't necessarily the perks. It's more of this socially consciousness and, and it's happening in all generations, yeah. but especially with millennials, it's happening in the point where, you know, they're looking at what do they love doing? What can they become good at doing, even if they're not good at doing it now? Mm-hmm. And what will not necessarily make them a ton of money, although that's nice, but what will make them enough money to give them the lifestyle that they love most? Mm, spot on. I, I love that the conversation went there because it is, I mean, that wave is coming in and it's cresting <laughs> yeah. over and it's becoming, you said, it's actually seeping into different generations because like happiness, joy, love, like is becoming a currency that we're using and it's much more prominent. And so I think it's so great that it went there because people living out their passion and really just having enough money to do what they do love. Like I don't need the nine to five if it means I can't go surfing before work, like whatever that means for whoever, um, or being able to get out and adventure or spend more quality time with quality people. Like that really is much more important than the look. And what's so funny is how that 
actually that happiness being driven up does cause a more abundant lifestyle, which includes more money. So it's quite interesting how it's panning out. Yeah. Well, we call that, you know, buying back your life. A lot of people Mm. are buying back their life. They're literally, you know, they could make X number of dollars, but they are, they are giving away some of that money. They are paying that money back to the universe and they're taking less in return for more of a life. So we call that, you know, buying back your life. And there's a lot of people that are out there going, you know, what? I'm going to buy back some of my life. And, you know, I, I did that as well. I had um, an office in Beverly Hills for years on Wilshire and uh, Rodeo and Doheny right between there, 9,100 Wilshire, you know, uh, very famous clients, but I had to commute two hours every day. And there were some days where I was in the office so late that I knew that by the time I got home, my kids would be in bed anyways. I put a couch in my office and I, I slept on my couch sometimes. You know, I got interns in the morning saying, hey, Mr. Fagan, you know, <laughs> you know, and, you know, and after, you know, and it's good to work hard with things you love and you're passionate about doing. I did that. But after a while, I was like, I don't need this. I don't want this. I got rid of the Beverly Hills office. More of my team started telecommuting. I bought a sailboat in Dana Point Harbor in mm. 2014. And, um, you know, I told people, Hey, come out to my sailboat and we'll, we'll have a meeting there. We'll have a meeting at the Harbor, you know, and some people didn't want to drive that far, do that. But I took a little bit less uh, money, or I should say I risked, uh, money being made just so that I could have more of the life. Some of us say someday, well, someday when I have this much money, I'm going to get the sailboat someday when I have this much money, I'm going to move to this area. I just decided today's that day. I'm yeah. going to buy back my life here a little bit. And, uh, you know, today's, today's the day. I could die tomorrow and what's the money in the bank going to do for me, really? Yeah. And that's what people, um, that's one of the ways that younger people you know, in their 20s um, are probably, and even teenagers right now, are probably a little bit smarter as they've seen their parents or their grandparents have all these things and that not necessarily give them happiness. Mm-hmm. You know, they've seen maybe the divorce, they've seen maybe, you know, the broken families, they've seen um, how hard their parents work and become slaves to their jobs. And what's happening now is there's a lot of people out there going, well, that didn't work. <laughs> I don't want to do that. That doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So now people are, maybe the pendulum's even swinging too far to that other side. Um, but, but still, you know, you can buy back your life. Yeah. I love it so much. Uh, it, it, uh, it, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it's your life. I mean, you, you can relate to this. I mean, this is stuff you've done. I mean, you've got a yeah, college education. Yeah, I mean, you, there's corporations that'll give you jobs and they'll pay you all kinds of money. And you can make money in a lot of different ways, but you're willing to take a little bit less to build something potentially bigger. And I know that it'll continue to get bigger and bigger for you, Abigail. But even if it didn't, you would be okay because of the quality of life that you're living. Mm-hmm. And, and it's mm-hmm. time for all of us to kind of redefine, you know, uh, that quality of life. And people are all the time. Yeah. And I just think that like, it's just so fun to have this conversation. Like I'm glad we're recording because I think that you said the pendulum swing, like it does go, it can go too far the opposite way sure, where sure. we're all like floating around wondering what, what do we do with our hands? But, but this is such a powerful conversation right. because you, th- it's provided so much real um, planks to that bridge about how to cross over and buy your life back. And I just love that yeah. concept. I think it's beautiful. 
Well, how it all goes wrong is there's a lot of distractions for us nowadays. And the flip yeah. side of that is we have a lot of young men that would rather play video games than contribute to society. You know, we have a lot of young women who would rather follow famous people online and, and know what they're doing than contribute to society and vice versa. You know, men doing that and women doing the video games. I'm not sexist there. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot of just distractions out there. You know, um, good times create bad policy. And what I mean by that is we have serious first world problems going on. Yeah. So un unfortunately, I wish that people were saying, you know what, I'm going to work less so that I can go surfing or I can go climb such and such or I can go help out at the shelter. But unfortunately, a lot of people are saying, hey, I'm going to work less so that I can sleep in and play video games and yes. do nothing, you know, and that, yeah. I don't really agree with that either. But you know, yeah. somewhere in there, there's a happy balance. Well, yeah. And, you know, it's perfect that you say it that way because it's not that the shiny thing syndrome hasn't gone away. It just looks new, right? Like we see people, you're a great example. Like you have all these credentials and you've got, you're working with all these people, Wilshire, before, all of that stuff, but it didn't come from nothing. It didn't right. come from like, we see the back end of success and it looks good and it looks real simple, but it's absolutely not. And so the, like, I love the example of like young girls looking on Instagram at all these followers of a blogger or uh, maybe a thought leader. I really like the thought leader one because they are out there. They've been saying the same damn thing for 20 years and yeah. now someone caught on. So yeah. it's not this instant success. Like we think it's much easier in this world because we've shrunk yeah. it with social media, but ultimately it's not as shiny as it looks. There's a lot of hard work to that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's good advice um, for everyone. You know, I have sat down and just like they say, hey, it's 10,000 hours to greatness, right? Malcolm Gladwell, yeah. 10,000 hours to greatness. Well, it's probably, you know, a couple hundred hours um, to uh, momentum. Okay. Mm. And, and you can take 20 hours here and 20 hours there but when you stretch out that 200 hours over the course of 18 months, you're very likely to give up on it because you're not seeing results fast enough. Mm -hmm. So I tell people like, what's the power play? What's something you can do for four to six weeks to get results, you know, and really go and just attack something like put in a couple hundred hours within a couple weeks or a couple months mm. that is going to yield you so much more. So don't try to stretch out that time. Um, one of the reasons why I have been able to do the things that I've done is because there's periods of time where I really went and just put my head down and worked and worked and worked. And I pulled all nighters and, you know, you got to be somewhat obsessed. I mean, I hate, I hate to say it, but if you want to be successful, show up. Okay. Just, just show up. You're going to be successful. You want to be super successful. I mean, I've had the chance to stutter, study super success with celebrities and really wildly, um, over the top people, these people, they're obsessed. Like they hurt on the inside when they can't do what they're doing. Yes. You know, I mean, when yeah. you get to the point where you just can go without sleep and you can forget to eat and you're just so into it because yeah. you're just obsessed with that goal, that's when it's going to come together. You know, yeah. you've got to find that thing that makes you do that. What a great place to start to wrap this up is, that is the Hearts Unleashed podcast. That is the mission because 
we all have that potential. We yeah. just haven't surfaced what we're obsessed about because I say it all the time, like it's bursting at the seams. It's not going away. You, you like, it keeps you awake at night. And so when we're in a job, we don't like a relationship that's not serving us like a place, maybe that doesn't bring us alive and our whispers of our heart don't stop whispering. And then mm -hmm. when we avoid them, they just get louder and then they start screaming. Or one other analogy I love is like the universe will tap you on the shoulder with an idea, but then it's going to punch you in the gut and then it's going to punch you in the face. And then it's mm -hmm. going to be this full roundhouse kick where everything in your life's falling apart because you're being like directed, go do what you're here to do go live out your gift and i really believe that we all have that like i, I not even just a belief like it, it's almost a cold hard fact we all have these gifts that we're meant to polish and refine and then go deliver and when we don't honor that it yeah man we're always just yeah. being called into it Absolutely. so i really want to acknowledge you for being someone who honors your gifts because i've seen you in action i've watched you and it's just amazing it's inspiring and you're really a leader in your industry and then just in the world i know that you're inspiring tons of people to follow their gifts and their passion and then supporting them to actually do it so mm -hmm. i acknowledge who you are and what you're up to thank you i appreciate it thank you very yeah. much yeah. And thank you for being on here. Thanks for sharing your heart and uh, hearts. Thank you for tuning in to David's amazing message. Please share this if you know someone who it's time for them to unleash their heart and live out their dreams. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we are turning dreamers into doers. Thanks for tuning in to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We hope you found all the inspiration that you needed today and that you use it to take the next inspired action on your dreams. If you loved the show, share it with a friend. We love spreading the love. For more information, to listen to more episodes, or to shop Hearts Unleashed, head over to heartsunleashed.com. See you next time, hearts.